Blog Talk Radio. Play.
goes on, and we are back live on Blog Talk Radio. Sorry for the late start, but nonetheless, we're back. I'm here with my two co-hosts. Got my boy Brian. Phelps, Brian, you know? Come on, on, man. Where's the energy, man? Where's the energy, man? We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. I got I got my other co-host, Alex Solomon. Alex in the house, man. What's up? What's up? What's going on? What's going on? You guys pumped for tonight's show? Of course. Of course. Who's trying to get excited? Well, absolutely. And I got my other co-host that's going to be joining us tonight, all the way from Tennessee. Wow, right? That's 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 pretty far from where we are, but. Tennessee, and he's going to be joining in on some of the discussions with us, particularly uh, talking uh, college football, uh, you know, and adding that element to the show. So I'm going to patch – his name's Austin, so I'm going to patch Austin through. Hey, Austin. Hey, how's everybody doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. How you guys, you guys, so you guys ready to get started, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, all right, okay. Well – as everybody knows, the NFL playoffs, uh, you know, are pretty much coming down to uh, wiring down. We're now down to the two best, uh, you know, AFC champions. Uh, I mean, the two best teams in the AFC and the two best teams in the NFC was very, very exciting. I'm kind of surprised. I didn't expect uh, – I, I'm the Falcons – I must say the Falcons have surprised me. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty shocked by the Falcons. It seems like they're on to something special. Um, I just want to get your take on that. Um, so I guess Brian, what do you think about that? What do you think about the Falcons this season? Um, well, they have by far the best offense in the NFL. I, I think it's really interesting that the two guys that everyone's talking about for MVP are going to play each other in the NFC title game. And it, mm-hmm. it was just—I've been kind of talking up the Falcons all year to my friends, and to see them do what they did to the Seahawks was just—you know—it's it, so pretty good. I'm not going to lie, but. I really do. Th- they're already favorites going into the title game, but I, I, can they? Can the Falcons beat Green Bay? And and it comes down to me is this is the type of game that the Packers always seem to win in the history of their franchise, and the Falcons always seem to finally to lose. And this seems like a team that can actually turn around the 14th in the franchise, and it's the last game in the dome. And it's going to be so much excitement. But I don't know. Aaron Rodgers is so hot. Obviously, he saw what he did against Dallas. But it's, it's really interesting to see. And I'm just really looking forward to that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I would, what, how exciting would it be to see, uh, you know, the Falcons go to the Super Bowl? That would be pretty exciting, especially for the city, I would say. Well, I mean, Alex, what do you think about that? Um, as far as the Falcons' offense goes, uh, I think that, I agree with Ryan that it is one of, if not the best in the league. Um, I think that Matt Ryan deserves the MVP award this year. Um, definitely. Um, I think that he's really led that team. He's been the lifeblood of that team. Um, obviously coupled with uh, the best receiver in the league this year and Julio Jones. Um, they have been incredible. They came out of the gate fast, had a great start, um, and, and then ended, ended great, ended with four straight wins. Um, to get into the playoffs and, and to get that second seed. Um, and I wouldn't count them out against Green Bay. Um, I think that Green Bay is the better team and Green Bay is a hotter team. But the Falcons are also on a five-game winning streak. Um, and the only team that they've lost to um, in the last uh, seven or eight weeks is the Chiefs, and that was by one. Um, 
and and Falcons at home uh, aren't what they used to be. Um, whether you can say that's because they stopped pumping artificial crowd noise into the stadium or not um, is a different argument for a different day. Um, but they're still a pretty good team at home. They're still a pretty good team overall. Um, and I don't know if Green Bay's defense is necessarily ready for what Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Freeman are going to throw at them. Great response. I, I really like. The, I really like the sound of that. I mean, um, like I like I said, I, I guess I guess yes and no to the the Falcons kind of being a shocking football team this season. Uh, Austin, what is your take on it, man? Because I know I know you're really uh, you're really into football. You know, giving us a different perspective. Yeah, I mean, what are they? What are they? Well, what, what are the talks down in Tennessee? Um, well, I mean, I'm people down here. They got one track mind. It's Tennessee Titans, and that's it. But uh, me, I'm a Carolina <laughs> fan, so I pay attention to that division in general. Uh, I don't think the Falcons have the best offense in the NFL. I think the Patriots have the best offense in the NFL. I think the Falcons are a close second. I definitely think Matt Ryan deserves the MVP. I mean, he took the Falcons. They were 8-8 eight and eight last season, uh, lost the division to Carolina, of course, uh, and turn around, make the playoffs this year. And personally, I think that they will beat Green Bay. Uh, I think that Aaron Rodgers not having Jordy Nelson, I think that was going to hurt. I thought that would hurt them this past week, but it didn't. Um, Aaron Rodgers, he's the man right now. Uh, but I think that Julio Jones, to do what he did to Seattle's defense, I think he's going to completely destroy uh, Green Bay's defense. Now, Green Bay's defense, they're not bad, but if I'll take uh, Seattle's secondary over Green Bay's secondary any day of the week. Uh, I think Julio Jones will have two touchdowns, and I guarantee he will go over 100, 120 yards uh, receiving that game. I like that prediction, and I hope you know I'm going to hold you to that as well. So you guys, oh, you guys hear it first. Julio, Julio Jones, two touchdowns, over 120 yards receiving. So we're going to hold that to him. Mind you, Julio Jones is dealing with a bump foot right now. So we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. I mean, I like Julio Jones, obviously. But, uh, you know, him coming from being a Bama guy, <clears throat> cough, cough. Uh, you know, so I, uh, I, I definitely I definitely do, I definitely do uh, love Julio Jones. But I don't know if I would say he I – don't, I don't know if he's healthy enough to – put on that type of performance. But, hey, anything can happen in the NFL. Um, also, the thing that happened this week was uh, I think the Texans shocked a lot of people. Not so much that the uh, the Texans, we all expected them to, uh, you know, I guess beat the Patriots, but I think they, they, put, they shocked a lot of people because they made it a game. I mean, we're talking about a Houston Texans football team with no J.J. Watt. Who? No J.J. Watt. Who's the best defensive football player in the NFL right now, in my opinion, solely my opinion, I think they definitely pushed the Patriots and Tom Brady to their brinks. And, I mean, what, Tom Brady to two interceptions? That is so un-Brady-like, you know. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it watching, sitting down watching the game. And the headlines after was, you know, Brady had a rusty game and this, that, and the third. I'm just like, wow, you know, that's not what I really expected. I expected it to be uh, the Patriots go in there and blow the Houston Texans out. Now, granted, maybe I'm just overlooking how good Jadavian Clowney and the rest of the Houston Texans secondary is. But, I mean, what do you guys think about that? Austin, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I definitely think the, te- the Texans secondary, their team, their defense in general is a lot better. Even, uh, I mean, without J.J. Watt, yeah, that hurt. But they, they still got enough guys back there to get the job done. Uh, now, the first Brady pick, it, if you look, it was Michael, Michael Floyd dropped the ball. I think that he could have thrown it a little better, but I mean that was that was definitely a catchable catchable ball by Michael Floyd, which set up uh, a, I believe that set up a touchdown for the Texans. I really wasn't that impressed in the beginning. I was impressed because I figured they make a game out of it, but 
I mean, Brady's going to Brady. New England's going to New England. Belichick's going to Belichick. And, and I'm not surprised by the final score at all. I mean, I'm glad for the Texans that they scored some points. But I do think that uh, the Texans need to start looking elsewhere for a uh, quarterback option. I think that it was extremely dumb to spend the kind of money that they spent on Brock Osweiler after one season in Denver. Uh, I, I don't I don't understand that at all. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of people in the draft that's coming up this year that might be able to help them out. But I don't feel like for the Texans the best answer for their future is Osweiler. I mean, like a, they've got a top five defense in the NFL right now. Uh, and if they could just get a solid quarterback, they've got the weapons on offense. I mean, they've got receivers, they've got running backs, their line isn't too bad. They've got all the weapons there, and if you put a quarterback on that team, Houston is definitely a lot better than how they played against New England. Agreed. Agreed. Alex, what's your take on it? Um, I, I think that Houston was incredibly impressive this year. Um, especially in their resilience with Watt going down. Um, I don't think you, – you guys know from, from previous shows my feelings on the Oakland Raiders this year. Um, and I, I think the Raiders would have killed them if Derek Carr was oh, playing. Yeah. And I think the Raiders would have beat them decently if Matt McGloin was playing. Um, but Connor Cook just, uh, in all honesty, wasn't ready. Um, I think that he might make a, an, an NFL starter out of himself eventually, but not yet. Um, as we've seen clearly. Um, as far as, as the future of the Houston Texans go, um, I think they need to spend another year with Osweiler. Um, you paid him so much money. The contract is $72 million over four years. Um, with the amount of money you paid him um, and with the amount of faith you put in him, and he has shown some positives in his, in his career um, and even, even some positives this year, um, I think that he's worth giving another year. Um, especially with Watt coming back, especially with the way your defense is playing, um, and and with the division you play in, obviously the Titans are coming up. Um, the Jaguars have more than a few years left to rebuild, um, and and the Colts, you, you, we really don't know what the Colts are. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts won 11 games last year, next year, and I wouldn't be surprised with you if they won six. Um, so I think that they, they need to spend another year on Osweiler. And if it doesn't work, maybe maybe have a backup brought in that's, that's a, a backup in the way that, that Kellen Clemens was, like one of those backups that could start and win you a few games. Um, and bring, bring someone like that in, like a, that, that kind of guy into the team. Um, but, but give Osweiler another year to prove himself, to see what he can do. You paid him too much money. Um, to do that, and the team around him is good enough to to kind of hold him up and hopefully pick him up to what he can be in the NFL. Hey, couldn't couldn't have said it better myself, Brian. What what's your take on it, man? Um, I mean, I, I agree to a certain extent because you know you, you gave Oswaldo a ton of money. You, you place your trust in this kid, and he hasn't been anything. At all, he's been terrible this entire season. But when you think about how good this defense is and how long are they going to be this good, how long are they going to stay together? And I know you might say, look, let's give him another year. I'm kind of on the fence about this because you're you're another injury away from this thing completely collapsing. And Maybe next year if there's another injury, there's so many things that can go wrong with this action. I don't know. Um... 
I wasn't necessarily impressed with how the Texans played either. I mean, they're play a football team. They shouldn't go out into New England and get blown out by 30 points like everyone thought they would. Like, this is a legitimate playoff team, a legitimate playoff team. Now, I was surprised at, at how well they got Brady. That really surprised me. That's what really impressed me with that team. But other than that, there was nothing out of the ordinary from their performance. And, I mean, the spread was 17, and they lost by 18. So, but as a Patriots fan, I like to think positively about this and think this is the kind of kick in the ass the Patriots need because I feel like they thought they were just going to walk into the Super Bowl this year. Everyone thought they were going to just walk into the Super Bowl this year. And I feel like this is the perfect time to not play well and to get tested early and not get tested like this against Pittsburgh because if they play like this against Pittsburgh, it's 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 curtains for the Patriots. So. Okay. All right. So, uh, Let's switch gears a little bit, Ryan, because I know you. I know you love the Patriots. Oh my God! And mm-hmm. you know, it's no, it's no arguing with the success of uh, the Brady and Belichick connection era and all that stuff like that. But um, you know, we we, we said something a little earlier, and I want to. I just want to touch on it a little briefly. Um, we said that Matt Ryan should get the MVP award. If it was possible, I think the MVP award should go to Kyle Shanahan who, by the way, I'm predicting will be the next 49ers head coach. I have been predicting he's going to be the 49ers the next head coach. And I'm pretty sure I will be correct on that one, um, just as I was on Bastos. But with that being said, I think Kyle Shanahan has turned that line around. I think he's the guru. He is the person behind the Falcons offense, making them into the incredible, you know, tandem that they are. Um so that's the fact, that was just my little take on it. I didn't really want to dive too much into it. I just think Kyle Shanahan, I think it gets overlooked that Kyle Shanahan is actually a really, really great offensive coordinator who can go – he's the type of offensive coordinator that can, unlike Josh McDaniels, in my opinion, he can go to any team and change around an organization. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong, but I put him up there with the likes of Adam Gase. I put him up there with the likes of Hugh Jackson. And um, I think – he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I think he is going to reshape the 49ers organization into exactly what they used to be. Mark me on that. Mark my words on that. Another game we want to talk about for the NFL playoffs. Guys, did anybody see the Steelers versus the Kansas City Chiefs? If you did, oh, my God, tell me your thoughts. Um, it was, it was, it was a, a great football game. Um, I mean, as far as as far as defense is concerned, um, and as far as just overall football is concerned, um, look if you look at the stats, which I, I've been I've been looking over the last few days um, for all the for all the playoff games, just trying to trying to see um, what I saw versus what actually happened. Um, the offenses were terrible. Um, the quarterback ratings: Roethlisberger was a seventy-two and a half. Smith was a 69.7. Um, the the rushing yards were not impressive. Um, Le'Veon Bell obviously ran well, 170 yards. I mean, that's Le'Veon Bell. That's expected out of that. The Chiefs had a team total of 61 yards. Um, the passing yards total for the game was under 500 Um between the two teams, um, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily fun football, 
fought. It was nitty-gritty football. It was great to watch. Uh, but the one thing I did notice that if the Pittsburgh Steelers show up in New England next week, the way they played against Kansas City, they will be watching the Super Bowl from their couches. Um, I, I kind of disagree. I That game, I, the score was really close, but when you watch that game, I'm sitting there as a Patriots fan just praying that the Chiefs will find a way to win because I know that if the Chiefs walk into New England, they will get absolutely destroyed. And I know it was a two-point game, but Pittsburgh was miles and miles ahead of Kansas City. Because when you think about it, the interception that Eric Berry got at the goal line, that normally doesn't happen. It's a tip pass that falls up in the air. He dies and makes an interception. They know they would probably go in and score in that play. The game's pretty much over because Kansas City couldn't do anything on offense. Alex Smith couldn't do anything. Tyree Kill did nothing. Um, Travis Kelsey just looks like a complete airhead the entire game, especially afterwards, too, with his comments. And I'm kind of tired of the Chiefs now. Every year, like, I feel like everyone has to talk about how the Chiefs are a legitimate team and watching the playoffs. The Chiefs are going to prove everyone wrong and no one gives the Chiefs enough respect. And, like, this was the game where they could go out and show you this is the respect they deserve. And they showed me that they don't deserve any more respect than I already gave them. And that with Alex Smith as quarterback, their their peak is a divisional round loss to a better opponent every single season. Because with him at your quarterback, you're not going to beat Ben Roethlisberger and you're not going to beat Tom Brady. And it's just not going to happen. As good as they are, the team is around him. It's just not going to happen. And I was kind of disappointed by the Chiefs on Sunday. Okay. Awesome. What's your take on it? Well, I think I do agree that if uh, Pittsburgh does go into New England uh, playing like they did against the Chiefs, New England is going to beat them. With that being said, though, Kansas City does have a better red zone defense than uh, New England themselves does. Kansas City's defense stepped it up big time in the red zone. Uh, I'm looking here. Kansas City's uh, allowed 45 in, in the red zone touchdowns only. They've only allowed 45. Uh, they've only allowed opponents to score them 45 percent of the time, whereas New England's 51. It's not much, but five percent is a huge number, especially when you're talking in the playoffs. Now, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Last night, it's, it's weird as it sounds, it's the first time I've actually got to really watch an entire game, and how he runs, it's ridiculous. It's like he, the play, he looks like he's just standing there, and then he just takes off. Now, uh, I definitely think that it's going to be, a, for one, a great matchup between Pittsburgh and New England. I do think that Brady is going to be a problem for Pittsburgh's defense. But if you're Pittsburgh, you definitely need to be kissing Chris Boswell's feet. Get that man some new cleats. Get him some nice Gatorade. Get him something because if you didn't have him, there's not a chance you guys were going to beat the Chiefs. Uh, another thing you said about the, the game not being fun, it really wasn't that entertaining to watch. Um, and when you look at the stats, you'd say the same thing. Uh, yeah, I agree. Travis Kelsey, what he did cost his team that 15-yard penalty. Luckily, Alex Smith made that back up. But, I mean, to shove the dude down just because you're mad, that's, a, that's, that's ridiculous. And then what he said about the refs after the game, I do agree that call was a little iffy. I mean, it definitely was a hold, but you got to look at it. The, the lineman who got called the uh, holding one, I think they said he's 6'6 six, six or 6'7, six, James Harrison, six foot, and the angle that uh, he took when he was trying to get the sack on Alex Smith, he was basically parallel to the ground. 
there's nothing. You're six foot seven. And you get a guy that short. That's like your little brother running ne- underneath your arms. It's, it's almost impossible to get a handle on him without even holding him. I do understand the penalty, but I mean, uh, I'm not. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I do think Kansas City should have won that game had they played better. Uh, they've got to figure something out on offense though, because I mean, Alex Smith only averages, I believe, four yards a pat or a, com- a completion. Which is awful. Which I mean, it's not bad, but I mean, you're not going to win games with these little quick slants and all these little short passes you keep throwing. He did take some shots downfield, but I mean, nothing really happened in the passing game for Kansas City last night. Uh, last night, I do agree that Pittsburgh was the better team, but if they do not score in the red zone, there's not a chance they have to beat New England at New England. And I'm going to be bolder here. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to go ahead and make my Super Bowl pick. I do think it's going to be New England versus Atlanta. I think Atlanta will take care of the Packers, and I definitely think New England is going to take care of Pittsburgh. And we're going to shock the world. NFC is going to win the Super Bowl this year. Falcons are taking it all, baby. Julio's the man. You ain't going to stop him. Matt Ryan for MVP. Falcon Nation, baby. Let's go. Wow. That's bold. I'll break it down really, 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 really simple where I'm coming from. I, the Pittsburgh Steelers disgust me as an organization. I can't stand them as a football team. I think they're very overrated. I think Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are the only real factors on that football team. And if we want to include, I guess, Big Ben, I guess we can include him as well. But you take one of those elements away. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are a very average football team. Do I think that they can go into New England and beat the New England Patriots? Absolutely. Excuse me. Hell no. No shot. No shot. I'm willing to bet my top dollar. The New England Patriots will not only beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Austin, Alex, and Brian, you heard it here first. New England will win by two touchdowns. Because I believe they're that good. And I believe the the, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are actually that bad. Remember, you heard it here first. The New England Patriots are going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers down. And, Brian, I could, I could just see you right now. I know you're smiling right now probably. <laughs> but, honestly, it's just the I way know. I see it. I call it like I see it. And... Uh, so with that being said, with, now that I did my little Pittsburgh Steelers rant, you guys know I at least do it once, <laughs> once a uh, once a show. Um, we got to switch gears here. We got to talk about something that pained me. It hurt me. It hurt my soul. And I'm talking about the Crimson Tigers beating. I mean, sorry, I said the Crimson Tigers, the Clemson Tigers. Beating my uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, thirty-five yes, thirty-one, which was a uh, a monumental defeat for uh, you know it was a monumental win for the uh, Crimson the Clemson Tigers. Um, I've, I've I've had a hard time dealing with this loss. Um, not so much because we lost. Not not so much because we lost to the Clemson Tigers, more so because it's just not the Alabama way. No, it's not the Alabama way. 
And if I can speak for all you Alabama fans out there, those who are, are listening, and um, y'all think we all have a right to be pissed off. I honestly do. Now, people may not think, people may not think that, you know, the dismissal, and yes, I did say the dismissal, not the mutual agreement, part ways. The dismissal of uh, Lane Kiffin as the offensive coordinator, people don't see it as, you know, a, a huge loss for Alabama. But I think it was a huge loss on us, Alabama. Think about it. That's like your offensive coordinator, right? For those of you who have played sports, something like that, that's like a coach who you're attached to being removed before your championship. Just think about that. But let's put that into perspective for a moment. Now, I understand Alabama still put up 31 points. That's not the point I'm getting at. Because that's what I've heard. Alabama still put up 31 points. That's not the point I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is that Nick Saban, Nick Saban, and I don't question Coach Saban's, I don't question Coach Saban's, uh, his decisions quite often. I really don't. And I guess nobody really does because Alabama's used to win it. I'm going to question the decision right here on the right way because that's the right way to do things. So I'm going to display, I'm going to question his decision to dismiss Lane Chippen. And the sorry excuse you gave Alabama Crimson Tide fans were we wanted him to focus on his duties as the new head coach of FAU. Now let me explain something to you. What duties? I'll let that sink in. Because if you're dismissing him to do to do duties as as, as the uh, the new head coach, I mean the only duties he could do would mess around and get him fined because he's not even allowed to talk to, college, to uh, high school athletes right now. This is the off period for them. They have a period in which they can talk to high school athletes. What are we talking about here? So if you're dismissing him from the program because, uh, you know, your excuse is because you want to let him focus on his new head coach gig, that's a sorry excuse in my opinion. And I said that to everybody, and I will stand by my word. Nick Saban decided to uh, dismiss Lane Kiffin because I think Nick Saban didn't like the comments he made at his opening pressure. Now, I'm willing to debate that with anybody. I'm willing to take anybody up on as to why. But for here, we're going to talk. We're going to change up the order of who. Of, uh, of, of talking points, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Austin. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you. Uh, you know, do your whole Clemson yeah. Tiger thing. You know, I you know okay. I, I had to do my my little rant. I had to go go to my little I rant for a moment. I'm sorry. I mean, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I haven't taken anything Clemson off. Every day I go out, I have a different Clemson attire on. I got Clemson socks. Everything Clemson, I got it. You, you name it. Okay. For first off, I want to start off by saying uh, the national championship is back home where it belongs. Even though after it took 35 years, we got it back. Shout out to Sean. Now, uh, to be honest with you, Bama last year should have been beaten by the same Clemson team. Uh, if you look at that game, the turning point in that game was that onside kick that Bama had. But we're not going to talk about that. You know, we're going to talk about the good one where we won. All right. Now, Clemson, I've said it all year long. Everybody's saying it. it's going to be an upset. It's going to be an upset. No, it's not an upset. I'm Clemson is the only team in college football that is built to beat Alabama 
Clemson has every strength that is Alabama's weakness. Bama struggles against – their defense is top, is top in the nation, but they struggle against mobile quarterbacks. You look when they play Ole Miss, they struggled against uh, Chad Kelly. Now, Deshaun Watson is Bama's kryptonite, and if you're a Bama fan, you better be thanking God that he is heading to the NFL because if he was coming back next year, he would drop over 400 yards again for three touchdowns, okay? This man Shout had 800 yards. Eight eight hundred yards in two games against the top rated defense in college football. Over five good guys. This man, he, 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 it's ridiculous. Uh, I'm a Deshaun Watson fan, yes, but to see what he did against the top defense with no turnovers, it blows my mind. He's gonna throw picks against Troy, but when it comes time to play Alabama, this man doesn't turn it over at all. Yeah, it's it's, it's ridiculous. Now, uh, also, uh, I want to talk about you saying the uh, questioning Lane Kiffin, or uh, excuse me, Nick Saban's decision about releasing Lane Kiffin. Uh, Bama, I don't know if you're using that as an excuse. I don't think you are, but I've heard a lot of people saying that's an excuse, and I want to go ahead and just uh, eliminate that from any possibility right now because I don't see how you can say losing an offensive coordinator is going to cost you to lose a game. Yes, OCs have I a didn't big say part that. to do. No, no, I know. I'm just saying I hear it a lot. Down here in Tennessee, I hear it all the time. Now, I hear all kinds of people yeah. saying, you know, that, that cost him the game, that cost him the game. I don't understand that. He calls the plays, but the players are the ones who make them. If you look at that game, Jalen Hurts made awful throws down the field. He overthrew his receivers. His accuracy was absolutely awful that game. Uh, there was a lot of plays to be made that weren't made, and that is ultimately what led to Bama losing. Bama didn't lose to Clemson. Clemson beat Bama. Nobody gave Clemson that game. Clemson took that game. They earned that game. They beat the best team in the nation. Excuse me. They beat the second best team in the nation. Uh, and I don't want to say, you know, like I said earlier, I don't I don't think that it's an upset at all. I think Clemson had every, you know, every right to believe that they were going to win that national championship. But I don't think that there's any excuses that can be made for anybody. And to for Lane Kiffin leaving, Maybe that might have affected something a little bit, but at the end of the day, the players are the ones who are going to make the plays, not the coaches. Shout out, Clemson. Okay, very, very fair point. I got nothing really to say about that. <laughs> Guys. Um, well, f- first off, both teams, I, w- I want to thank both teams for for giving us one of, one of the best, ga- the best game of one of the best bowl seasons I've ever seen. Absolutely. Um, and and this is coming from a USC fan who was screaming and yelling at the TV watching them play the Rose Bowl against Penn State, which was not a close second to the national championship game, but was another great game, one of the best I've ever seen. Um, and I didn't think I didn't think he could be beat. Um, and the national championship game completely blew it out of the water. So, so thank you to both teams for that. Um, to to what Malik was saying, um, if if Lane Kiffin was calling plays for Alabama, they win that game. Um, yeah. Lane Kiffin has proven himself over the last four years to be the best, one of if not the best offensive coordinators in college football. Um, he definitely deserved a job better than the one he was just hired at. I think his past had something to do with where he ended up currently. But I think he will have much success at FAU. I think he'll turn that program around. And I think he'll take his new quarterback, um, formerly of Florida State, and then do some great things there. Um, but I think that with one week to prepare, Sarkeesian just, just was not ready 
offensively. His game plan wasn't ready. Um, his his rhythm wasn't there, play calling. Um, and and honestly, in all honestly, I don't think Sarkeesian is that even good of a coach. Um, I would much rather have Lane Kiffin than Steve Sarkeesian. Um, and again, coming from a USC fan, I have seen them both coach, and I've seen them both coach horrendously, and I've seen them both go from the new hope to fired in an airport or getting drunk at meetings. Um, so I've seen their best and I've seen their worst. And I think that Lane Kiffin any day of the week is a better coach than Sarkeesian. So I think if he's in the – he's calling plays on the sideline, Alabama wins that game. Um, but also, um, I have to hand it to Deshaun Watson. He played great. But for, for a few hours and even a day or two after the game, you couldn't go online without seeing something about Deshaun Watson – not being happy that he won because now he's going to get drafted by the Browns. Um, and I would just like to address that. Um, I, I don't think that will happen. I don't think the Browns will take a quarterback this year in the first round. And I don't think that Deshaun Watson will be a top pick in the draft. Um, I just, I, I don't see him as, as an NFL ready quarterback. I see him as a quarterback with a bright future in the NFL. Um, but I, I don't necessarily see him as a top pick. Um, but to be fair, I didn't see Jared Goff as a top pick last year. Um, and I'm a Rams fan, and I, am, I was 100% for drafting Wentz, um, and they didn't do it, and, and Goff came in, and he didn't impress, and Fisher didn't even think he was ready. Um, and, and I think that Deshaun Watson could be in, in a situation like that or even end up in a situation like RG3. Um, I think he can benefit from a few years on the bench um, before becoming – um, what potentially could be one of the NFL's greatest quarterbacks that we've that we've seen in in recent recent years, recent decades, uh, in our life uh, lifetimes, uh, which haven't not been that. Long. Um, but I think that the real players in that game that will make an impact um, on the NFL next season will be the players that will get drafted from Alabama's defense. Um, I think those players will be a lot of a lot of first round picks will come from there, and a lot of them will make impacts. Especially Jonathan Allen um, and Reuben Foster, they will both make impacts if they end up in the NFL next year. Um, they will they will do great things. Um, and then as well as I'm sticking to this, you can write this one down. Miles um, Garrett will be the first pick of the draft, unless the Browns trade the pick. You could write that down. I'm gonna stick to that. That's yeah. gonna be my prediction. Um, unless the Browns trade the pick, um, which then someone else can be picked. But you can also write this down. You can write this down, too. Um, Deshaun Watson, from what we've seen from him, Deshaun Watson will be a better quarterback than um, Trubisky from UNC and will be a better quarterback than the kid out of Notre Dame in the future in the NFL and forever. Um, what's that? Yeah, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> That game, first of all, the game was amazing, but but um, I I, I think that t- I hear too much of the excuses. I I hear too much of the Lane Kiffin dismissal, whatever you want to call it, as a scapegoat for the reason why they lost. I'm not saying you specifically, Malik. I'm saying that I hear it all the time. I feel like I feel like Clemson watching that game deserved to win that game. They made more plays, and I feel like that even if Lane Kiffin is there, I feel like that Jalen Hurts doesn't have the accuracy 
He doesn't have the footwork. He's not a good enough quarterback to go out and beat a team like Clemson. And I feel like it was just Clemson's time to go out and win that game, especially after the way they lost last season. And I feel like they did deserve to win last season as well. But, I mean, what a game. I'm, I'm like, really just happy I, I stayed in and watched it. Um, I do think that Miles Garrett will be the first pick in the draft. And I don't think Mr. Trubisky will be a very good NFL quarterback, so I agree with you there. But it's, I don't know. I hear too much about how Lane Kiffin and, I mean, I hear more about that than Bo Scarborough being hurt in the game, which I feel like had way more to do with Alabama losing down the stretch. And Absolutely. even with even with Jalen Hurts not playing well throwing the football, he still made enough plays to somehow get their team the lead with two minutes left. And yet they let Clemson walk down the field and score to win the game. So I feel like it has far more to do because even with Lane Kiffin there, he's not the defensive coordinator. And the defense is the one who had control of the game on the final drive, and they let the game slip away from their hands. So I, I feel like Clemson went out and took that game. And I feel like too much is being made of the Lane Kiffin story. But that's just me. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to say anything. Like I said, Lane Kiffin had a big impact on the Crimson Tide, on the, uh, Crimson Tide this season. And I believe if you put him as the offense coordinator of the game, the Alabama has a better outcome. Now, Take it as you may, take it for what it is, I, and that's just my personal opinion. I think it was uh, it was stupid and complete asinine for them to make that switch. But like I said, once again, that's none of my business. Austin, I know you wanted to respond to that, so I'm going to let you go, brother. Uh, well, one, uh, on the Jalen Hurts comment, I don't think he's a good quarterback yet uh, as far as passing goes. But this kid just turned 18 in August. I mean, he's he's a baby compared to everybody else that he's playing against. And to be an 18-year-old starting in a college football national championship game, I think he did damn good. Uh, now, if he could develop – now, I definitely think that if he could throw the ball a lot more accurate, I think that Bama had a very uh, likely chance to beat Clemson in that game because he hurt Clemson with his legs, as you saw in the last touchdown that Bama scored in that game. But if he could have thrown those deep balls down the field to Calvin, uh, to Calvin Rid, uh, Ridley – that's a different game. Also, uh, the Lane Kiffin thing, I will go ahead and put it to rest because Lane Kiffin called the offensive plays, and reg- no, nothing that he called was going to stop Deshaun Watson from throwing over 400 yards. Nothing that he called was going to stop Clemson from throwing up the points that they did. You're an OC. You don't control your defense. Like he just said on here, uh, the defense is the one that, you know, ultimately gave that game up for Bama, not the offense. And I also completely agree that Bo Scarborough being hurt, I think that hurt Bama too because when he was in there, he was killing our defense. He was killing us. Exactly. The stats say he only had, what, 92, 93 rushing yards, but he had two touchdowns. And if you look, he got blown up sometimes at the line. But for the most part, nobody was touching him. And if they were, they were falling off of him. The dude's like a lineman running down the field. It's almost impossible to stop him when he gets when he gets going. Now, one more thing before you go, Malik. Uh, the Deshaun Watson not being NFL ready, I completely agree with that. I don't think he's ready to be a starter in the NFL. With that being said, I think that he's the best quarterback in this year's draft class. I think he's extremely underrated, and I don't see how you can put Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson whatsoever. I I don't understand that comparison. Uh, Maybe if they're trying to say a quarterback that's more NFL ready, they might consider Trubisky. To me, I don't see that. But I definitely do not think that there's a single quarterback coming out of college football this year that is going to be a starter. But then again, the Cleveland Browns do have two first-round draft picks. 
and the Cleveland Browns do make a lot of stupid decisions. So don't be surprised <laughs> if you see a rookie starter for Cleveland. That's all I'm going to say. And I also agree. I do think Miles Garrett will be the first draft pick. But, well, I mean, for all we know, we could, we could see a punter star quarterback for Cleveland, and nobody would be surprised at this point. You know, guys, you know what's very, very important to me? Our callers. So right now we got a caller calling in, so I want to get right to it. Thank you for calling me. Malik, right what's going on, man? Return. What's going on? What's going on? How you been, man? What's going on, brother? Love the show. Really enjoying it. Listen, I got some questions for you guys. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to hang up real quick. Listen, I'm really excited for these games coming this weekend. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's got a shot in Foxborough. I know Brady's tough to beat at home, but I want to know your guys' picks for the games coming up. Uh, I think Big Ben and the Steelers got a good shot. And, uh, man, Aaron Rodgers playing better football than I've ever seen anybody play. So, I want to know your guys' picks for the upcoming games, and uh, I really appreciate it, man. Love the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, tell us your name. Uh, it's Keith. I mean, Keith I mean, I know you, but, like, you know, everybody, everybody Yeah, you know, yeah, everybody yeah, you're else, right, man. Um, I'll let you guys know. Keith yeah. Harrison, uh, my man Malik, we went to high school together. This guy knows more sports than anybody I know. Always appreciate his opinion, so love calling in, love watching the show. Listen to every, try to listen every week. Appreciate that, appreciate that. Well, for me, Keith, uh, you know, my pick is uh, – I think the Patriots go on, and I think the Packers go on as well. I think uh, the Patriots beat Pittsburgh. I think it's going to be either by uh, by uh, it's going to be a two score lead, uh, whether that be by ten points, two touchdowns, whatever. I just don't see Pittsburgh Steelers defense having enough uh, power, uh, firepower to stop Tom Brady. And we all know it's very very hard to win up in New England. Um, even if you're playing your best game, it's not good enough sometimes to you know in order to beat Tom Brady. Um, I think for the Packers, I just think that. Pack, the, the thing about the Packers is the Packers can score, have a high-scoring offense. That's what people have to understand. The Packers have a high-scoring offense. So if we're talking about, you know, the, the Falcons, I, I personally think the Packers' defense might be a tad bit better, maybe a little bit better, and that's just my opinion, in big game situations than the Falcons' defense. Yeah. So when I, when, I look at, when I look at them on the board, I think that if it becomes a, a, a gunfight, if it becomes, you know, <clears throat> A high-scoring game. I think the Packers win the game. Yeah, especially. I if think they you got a matchup of two of two defenses that overall are pretty weak, but you got some playmakers, right? You got Vic Beasley, Vic Beasley with the Falcons, Ha-Ha Clinton Dick, yeah. uh, Carlos Hyde. Uh, I think you got you know overall defenses are pretty weak, but you know between Ryan and Rodgers, I think it's whoever makes the least mistakes has a better chance to win the game. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What do you guys think? Uh, let's let's go with Alex. What do you think, Alex? Um. So, so my prediction uh, for the for the Patriots game um, is the Patriots. Uh, I just think that Tom Brady is still playing like Tom Brady. Their offense is playing very well, and this is the best defense they've had in in a very long time. Um, in my opinion, it's the best defense they've had since since the days of Teddy Bruschi. Um, wow! And that original, those original yeah. Tom Brady teams, um, and. And I see them going to the Super Bowl, uh, even though I don't necessarily want to see them going to the Super Bowl. I see them going to the Super Bowl, um, as well as the Falcons beating the Packers. Um, wow! I think that I think that the Packers, with with this long winning streak, I think the bubble finally bursts. Um, they meet a team yeah. that has a quarterback whose passer rating is, I believe, 127 this season. Um, which is ridiculous. Threw for almost five thousand yards. Um, a receiver yeah. that would take the best cornerback in the league would have trouble covering. 
um, and a run game that, that can support that and can draw attention away from the passing game yeah. um, enough for you to keep six guys in the box um, almost every play. Um, and I think that with that combination, even with um, Aaron Rodgers playing amazing and, and their offense playing really well, um, I think the yeah. Falcons will beat it out. Um, and then as far as the Super Bowl, um, I the prediction I'm making is the Falcons, Patriots Super Bowl. But um, I'm going to hold off on my prediction to win the Super Bowl um, until yeah, after this week it. when I get to see those teams play. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and really see what they can question. do against against the best opponents. Yeah. I want to know, where do you guys think Rodgers' throw to Cook yesterday ranks among the all-time uh, greatest throws in the history of playoff football? I know you got um, <clears throat> Flacco to Jacoby Jones. Obviously, uh, Manning to Manningham and Tyree, uh, Roethlisberger to San Antonio Holmes. I just want to know what you guys think Rodgers' throw yesterday ranks among the all-time greatest throws in the history of playoff football. Let's, let's, let, let's let uh, Austin answer that. Uh, man, well, that's tough considering Tom, uh, Aaron Rodgers has a top five of his own all-time. I mean, that man's the Hail Mary King. <laughs> I've never seen somebody throw. That man's thrown more Hail Marys in real life than I've ever thrown on Madden. It's ridiculous. Uh, I definitely think that's up there. Not not only did he make the throw, this man called the on his own play in the huddle. This man said, all right, boys, we're going to go listen to the coach. This is backyard football right now. I need you to run about 15, 20 yards down the field, get out of bounds, catch it. And this, then they did it. It, it. It's ridiculous. And then after the game, just to listen to Aaron Rodgers say, no, that's not the best throw. Aaron, you are crazy. You are crazy. He's thrown Hail Marys to win games before. But I think that, number one, there's a lot of people who thought Dallas was going to win that game, not me. Uh, I definitely felt like Green Bay coming to that game was the hottest team. They haven't lost since Aaron Rodgers said that they were going to run the table. So I definitely think, though, that that was a – for me personally, I don't think that's his best throw of all time, but I definitely think that that is one of the best throws of the season because of the situation. Aaron Rodgers doesn't make that throw. That game goes into overtime. He makes that throw, they kick a field goal and win it, and they did. I, I just think it's crazy. So I definitely think that's up there. Uh, and I don't think it's as good as the uh, – Manning to Tyree helmet catch, I think that's still the best of all time. I can't believe he had that play. I still replay it in my head all the time, and I think how. All right, uh, all but right, I definitely right, think yeah, Aaron Rodgers is up there. <laughs> we, got, we have a disgruntled Patriots fan, ladies and gentlemen, in Brian. Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, then I guess, uh, I guess one, 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 one last quick question. Listen, if, if, sure. if Rodgers can somehow pull off this victory against the Falcons at Hotlanta, and if he again, this is this is a lot of foreshadowing. If he can somehow beat Brady and he gets his second Super Bowl and beats Brady, where does he rank all time? I mean, where does he rank all time now? And how does his legacy change if he can win his second Super Bowl this well, year? It won't be I'm gonna let Brady. Brian answer that question. That. I'm gonna let Brian answer that question. Um, first of all, I I do think that I I don't think that the Packers are a more talented football team. But, like, by far the Falcons are way more talented. But I do think that Aaron Rodgers is playing at a level that I have never seen ever. I have not. He's doing things that you can't imagine a quarterback doing with the football. Like, he he's playing so far and beyond any quarterback in the history of the NFL, even Brady. And everybody knows that Brady's my guy, right? Like, I wrote, like, a 10-page paper on why he's the greatest quarterback ever. But he's playing at such a high level right now that I can't, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine anyone stopping him. Now, as far as the legacy goes, I think he puts himself in that top ten, clearly, with the Super Bowl victory this year because he would have taken him 
his team single-handedly on his back to the Super Bowl. I don't think he's up there with Brady, with Montana, or with Manning yet, but I think he's around that top five area, like maybe around like seven or eight. He's, he's above far. He's above all those guys if he goes and wins the Super Bowl. And either way, regardless, when he ends his career, he's going to be with Brady. He's going to be with Montana. He's going to be with Manning in that top four, top three area because this guy is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. He has everything anyone could ever want. He, he's by far the best quarterback in the league right now, especially when he's on the way he is now, and I've never seen anything like this in my life. So I got to give that man credit. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Keep doing your thing. I love the show. Hey, Chief, thank you. Thank you for always sending in for the right way and supporting us. Appreciate it, man. All right, fellas. Keep doing your thing. Thank you, brother. All right. Uh, that was one of my one of my good friends, Keith. Uh, we, we go way back. Um, always appreciate the support calling into the right way. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, the call in number for the right way is seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six. And like I said, we're talking all things sports NFL related and we're gonna try to touch on, you know, just MMA things going on around the sports world, basically. <laughs> so uh, you know, and you can also follow us on Facebook at the right way with Malik Wright. On Twitter, the right way. BSP, and you can also follow us on Instagram at the right way at BSP. Uh, and like I said, we are constantly trying to be involved on social media. We're constantly, you know, trying to you know engage people in conversations. And we hope to be more engaged with you guys on social media this upcoming year, uh, 2017. I'm expecting it to be a very, very, very great year, especially for my team. You know, um, here on uh, from Back Sports page, you know. Um, so we're, we're, we're looking forward to what 2017 has to offer. So with that being said, I'm going to switch up the topics. Of right now on the show, I want to talk MMA. I want to talk MMA, guys. And it's just because, like, you know, this is just something that, so like I said, we'll come back to the rest of the topics because we got, we, got, we got a bunch more to talk about here on the right way. But right now, I'm pretty sure – you guys have probably heard about it. Parents have heard about it. Grandparents have heard I mean, everybody's heard about it. This talk about Mayweather versus McGregor. For anybody who doesn't know who, who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Floyd Mayweather, who was arguably the best pound-for-pound boxer of our generation. Yes, I did say it. Now, who I believe, who I say is the greatest boxer of all time, in my opinion. Greatest boxer of all time. Greatest boxer of our generation, Floyd Mayweather. Um, you know, it's you know, um, you know, uh, we're 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 talking, we're pretty we're pretty much talking about him versus Conor McGregor, who is, in my opinion, a very very overrated UFC fighter. So with that being said, we're going to jump right into it. I have a caller calling in right now. I want to jump right to it. Thank you for thank you for calling into the right way with Malik Wright. Who I have the pleasure of speaking with? Yo, it's Tariq, bro. What's going on, Tariq? How you doing, buddy? I'm good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm doing. Re- I, I, I can't call. I can't complain too much. Uh, we're just talking all things, uh, you know, uh, MMA right now. We're talking Mayweather versus McGregor. So right, right. I, mean, I know um, you're big MMA. You know, want to definitely get your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, bro. I appreciate it. And, you know, I was actually having this conversation with someone actually a little while ago, 
I I do agree with you on the on on the part about Mayweather possibly being the best boxer of our generation. He has more than the records to back it up, and he's beaten all the somebodies of our generation in his weight division and up. And as far as Conor McGregor, you know, I do believe right now he is a little bit overrated, but I got to give him credit where credit is due. Like, he has been jumping through the ranks, and he has been sticking to his word and, you know, beating guys. And right now he's the biggest star in the UFC since probably George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva. You know, it's his time right now. But as far as Mayweather versus McGregor in a boxing in a boxing fight, we all got to give it to Mayweather, dude. We have to. Because here's the thing. There's a, people, people don't understand the differences between boxing and MMA. The distance and everything else is way, way different. Conor is used to fighting, is used to fighting on the stage with rules where you can use your hands, feet, and grappling and everything, as opposed to boxing where you can just use your hands. And if we take a look, if we have a chance to look at the style, you know, Mayweather is extremely, extremely defensive. Probably the best defensive boxer of all time. I, I got to give it to him. He's probably the best defensive boxer of all time. Maybe next to Roy Jones or Sugar Ray Leonard or somebody, or along those lines. But I got to give it to him. Connor, his box, I think his boxing is good, but it's nowhere near Floyd's level. You know, you got to look at how he fights in the cage. You know, he has, like, he's, um, I believe he's a southpaw. He keeps his lead hand out because he tries to launch that right hand. And, you know, Floyd is used to fighting guys of all types of stances, whether it's on orthodox or southpaw. So, you know, he kind of can stick his lead hand out all he wants. You know, as soon as he tries to go with that right, all Floyd has to do is duck under, roll, and he's either going to come back with a right hand or a hook. And in my opinion, that might be the whole fight. I really don't think Connor's going to touch Floyd, you know, in a boxing match. And anyone who's watched Floyd as much as I have, you know, you know, would, honest, would honestly know that, you know. And that's where these MMA fighters yeah. get MMA and boxing mixed up. You know, it's not the same thing. You got, like, I, a lot of those guys aren't adjusted to, to that, to those types of rules where you can just use your hand. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. Honestly, that's my home. That's my humble opinion. That is my like. That's my humble opinion. Like I don't think Connor. I think Connor would get. You know, as soon as Floyd hits him with the first right hand, Connor's gonna know. Okay, this wasn't what I thought. This wasn't as easy as I thought it was gonna be. And I think he knows that. I really do. I think he knows that. And you know, a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys, try to you know really want to get their really get their name out there by bringing up Floyd's name. Because if you think about it. Floyd's running the fight game, whether it's MMA or boxing, because everybody always says his name, Floyd this, Floyd that, Ronda Rousey, oh, I could beat Floyd this, that, and the third. Connor, oh, I'll go Floyd that, this, that, and the third. You know you know what I'm saying? So it's like, dude, like, because if you think about it, Floyd is where a lot of these guys want to be. He runs the fight game. Yeah. He owns, like, he pretty much owns Vegas. Like, he owns it. Like, this, like, Floyd could have his pocket in the, could have his hand in the UFC right now if he wanted to, because his, his promotion Absolutely. alone is bringing in more money than the UFC right now. His promotion alone, not just boxing overall, his promotion alone brings in more money than the UFC. So when I heard Dana was offering 25 mil to fight Connor, to me, I would, if I was Floyd, I would have felt insulted. I make more than that, 10 times more than that in one fight. Why would I take that offer? For what? For what? I could be retired. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Right yeah. The UFC, if you think about it, Listen, the UFC needs Floyd way more than Floyd needs him. But that's just my humble opinion. You know what I'm saying? That's that's just my humble opinion. Um, that's really yeah, all I got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Yeah, that's all that's, I got. Okay. okay, no problem. Austin, what's your take on that? 
Hello? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, no, I was trying to I was trying to get through to Austin, but I, I guess we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Um. So long story short, my opinion about that is, I think you know, it's, I think it's very very simple. I think uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather has made enough money in the fighting world in boxing, um, more than Conor McGregor has ever seen. I mean, Conor Conor yeah. Conor is asking for a hundred million to fight Floyd Mayweather. When Floyd Mayweather laughs at him and he says. You know, how are you going to ask to fight me? Okay, how are you going to ask for a hundred million to fight me? And long story short, you uh, you haven't even made you haven't even made two uh, what 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 would say you haven't even made eight million in a fight. Here I am. I'm right. going to change your life because you know that's what Connor loves to say. I'm sure I can change your life. I can change you and your 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 family's life. Floyd is trying to change Conor McGregor's life. Floyd is trying to make it right. so. Conor never has to fight in the UFC again. Right. But here's the deal. You're going to offer a man who makes $200 million in one night a $25 million split with the guy who's been hot for the UFC for a year and a half? Come on now. Let's be right. real. If you want to get quite yeah. honest with you, Floyd, uh, Conor McGregor is not the top guy in the UFC right now in his weight class. Okay? Because he's ducking and dodging from the top guy in his weight class in Khabib Nurmagomedov. Right. I've been saying it. The exact same thing, folks, that happened to Ronda Rousey when she stepped in the ring with that beast of a woman and Amanda Nunes is going to be the same thing that's going to happen if Conor McGregor steps in the ring with Khabib. You see, because right. you got to understand something. These fighters that are coming overseas and fighting from Brazil and fighting from Russia and all over these different places, they don't care about the money. They care about yeah. one thing and one thing only creating their legacy and destroying whoever it is in their way. Conor McGregor is a very, very smart man. I said it to everybody. I said it to people I talked to. He took a page out of Mayweather's book. Mayweather took a page out of Muhammad Ali's book, the biggest trash talker. Right. What makes you get money is promoting yourself. Promoting yourself. If McGregor steps in the ring with Floyd Mayweather, not only will he suffer the worst loss of his career, from a visual standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, then he has to go right back to the UFC and fight the number one contender, Khabib Nurmagomedov, who I believe was going to crush Conor McGregor. And ladies and gentlemen, right. 2017 will mark the end of Conor McGregor. I've been saying right. it's the worst move he can make. I agree. So if you want to talk from a standpoint of making so much money, fight Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor. Fight Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor. Take whatever he gives you, because this is going to be the last big payday you're going to get in your fighting career. Because after you lose to Floyd Mayweather, you're going to be forced to defend that lightweight championship that you now hold so dearly. And you're going to have to fight to beat Nurmagomedov, the Eagle. And I'm sorry, I don't know if you guys have seen this dude. Austin, have you seen this guy, to beat? I guess we don't have Austin here still. Uh, but if you if you watch this guy, this guy is absolutely amazing. This guy carried a man on his shoulders from one part of the octagon to the other part of the octagon and slammed him. It was literally insane. Now, the way I see it, I think Conor McGregor is a, a, is a tremendous talent. 
But if he did one thing wrong for his career, he shouldn't have switched weight classes, in my honest opinion. This guy could be walks around at 190. He's a freak. He's a scary guy. He's the real deal. He's not Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez had an opportunity to pick Khabib or Connor, and he picked Connor. That should tell you in itself. That should tell you in itself. That should tell you in itself the type of man Khabib is. Ladies and gentlemen, you hear it here first, live on the right way. Conor McGregor's career will end in 2017. And that's my honest opinion. That's all I got to say about that. Austin, you got any, you got any input to put on that, brother? Uh, I mean, I'm not a big MMA guru, but I'm a common sense guru. And although I'm not a fan of Floyd Mayweather, I do like Conor McGregor on the other end. Conor McGregor is out of his mind if he thinks that he can beat Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. MMA mm-hmm. and boxing are two completely different sports. Now, I would even give Floyd a chance in MMA as well because the way Floyd's hands are so quick that you'll be knocked out drooling on the mat before you even know what happened. It's crazy. <laughs> I respect Floyd as a fighter, as a person. I don't really care for him. Now, I will say this. Uh, I heard what you were saying about uh, Conor being smart, taking a page out of Mayweather's book and vice versa. I've said this since day one. Conor McGregor is not the best fighter in the MMA. He's far from the best fighter the MMA has ever seen. But he is one of the best and smartest businessmen in the MMA. He's going right. to do whatever he has to do to get money. Who, who are you going to want to watch in a fight? A guy who wants to have a tea party with the, the dude he's about to fight or the guy who's going to sit here and talk about the dude's mom he's about to fight? I mean, you're going to want to listen to the guy who's in here bashing him. You want to hear the kid or the dude who always talks crap. You want to watch the bully fight. You don't want to watch the little kid in the back of the class who gets picked on fight. You don't want to see that. So Floyd, or excuse me, McGregor is extremely smart, and I do not think that he can beat Floyd in a boxing match, but I do think that he is going to get so much money from this fight that even if he wins, he's going to be set. I mean, if he's not already, he's going to be fine. Right. Um, can I just I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I hope it happens. I hope it happens. Now, here, real quick on the side, I hope the Soldier Boy and Chris Brown fight happens too, but that's a whole other subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that's one for publicity, I guess. Um, yeah, you say you have one more thing to say to it? Yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, what I was just saying was just going back to um, what, what Austin said. Um, see, I disagree that Floyd would last in the, in, in the MMA cage, in my personal opinion, just from watching him fight. Because, number one, Floyd has been known to have brittle hands. He's probably broken his hands twice in, 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 um, in two of his fights. I forget which ones they were. I think it was one with Victor Ortiz and somebody else. I forget. Um, but also, you can also, gra- you can also grapple and take people down in MMA. So it's like, Floyd can do a shoulder roll and step back all he wants. But, you know, the one thing about Floyd is, you know, he's going to get kicked and possibly taken down and grappled or, you know, thrown and submitted. So, me personally, yeah. I just don't think, I don't, I don't think he will last in the MMA case. Am I, just based on his style, I, I don't think he's built for MMA. It's just in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I feel you. Yeah. Well, Tariq, I want to thank you for calling in to the right way and definitely being a support, a support of us and always – you know, listening in. Uh, we look forward to hearing you from more from you in the future, uh, especially next week. You know, you can catch us every single Monday night live, 8 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio. I'll be discussing everything NFL as we look to now roll into the season, a uh, successful year, and, you know, get things rolling. So I want to thank you, brother, for always call, for calling in and basically 
supporting us. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. I'm honored. No problem, Tariq. Thank you. Have a good night, man. You too, guys. Have a great night. Thank you. So, uh, we, you know, we, all, we always appreciate getting our callers to call in, uh, you know, hearing from them and getting outside perspectives, obviously hearing the right way. Once again, I said you guys can reach me at my email, therealmalikwright at gmail.com, Facebook, The Real, the Right Way with Malik Wright. Um, you can reach us on Twitter at The Right Way BSP and Instagram, The Right Way BSP, as we will update you with posts and blogs and about what's going on around the sports board and just trying to pick your brain. Uh, so with that being said, uh, guys, I want to switch the focus a little bit. Um, go back to the NFL. Um, I want to talk about the newest head coaches around the NFL. But particularly, that's not even the newest coaches. I want to talk about, uh, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention or not, but for the first time ever in the NFL, there are seven black NFL head coaches. Now, I, I I think that I think that's huge. I think it's very huge, and I think it's huge for the sport. Um, and Brian, I definitely want you to weigh in on this as well. Uh, right now, we have seven black NFL head coaches in Marvin Lewis, Jim Caldwell, uh, Mike Tomlin, Todd Bowles, uh, Anthony Lynn, Vance Joseph, and I'm missing one, Hugh Jackson. There we go. Seven black NFL head coaches in the NFL right now, and I just think, you know, a lot of people thought the Rooney Rule was done when it first started, but I think it has really helped minority coaches, you know, and I think it's going to help for the future of minority coaches moving forward in the NFL. So I want to get you guys' uh, thoughts about that and just, like, weigh in or where you think this stands and, and how you think this impacts the NFL moving forward. So, um, Brian, what do you think about that? Um, I think this is a great step for the NFL. I feel like it's it's been time. It's been time for for there to be more black coaches in the league. We've seen them do it over the years. I know there's one black coach that you wish wasn't still coaching at the head coach position, but I'm going I'm to leave that alone. <laughs> um, we've seen guys like Tomlin win Super Bowls. We've seen guys like um, Tony Dungy win Super Bowls. And it's clear that race has no bearing on whether a guy can coach in the NFL. And I feel like it would be even to a – point more beneficial because it's easier for a black man to reach another black man in some certain and certain uh, instances that things that just other people of other races don't understand and so since there's so many black players in the end it only makes sense that there's so many black coaches but I, I feel like it's just it's just been so long it's it's the same thing as the what's been going on with the quarterbacks for so long so I, I just feel like it's great for the NFL to have so many black coaches and that they're getting these promotions from the coordinator's spot, and they don't have yeah. to go down to college and then go out all the way back up. That they they don't need to do that extra step to prove themselves, which they will always yeah. have to but do. I just think, but it's less than it has been in the past. I I just think it's huge. You know, I know some black coaches in the NFL get complacent. <clears throat> um, I just think uh, I just think I just think that uh, I just think that you know. For where the NFL is right now, uh, it's 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 very very important. Um, and uh, you know, I think it was very very shocking to see Anthony Lynn become the head coach of the San Diego Chargers. Mind you, he's not like a big name, a huge name. I mean, we've heard rumblings about him, but we all thought he was going to become the Bills' next head coach. Obviously, he shocked us and they hired McDermott. 
but, you know, it, not just the fact that Anthony Lynn came up and became the, head, the new head coach of, of a football team, it's what team he's ahead of. And it's, we're talking about the Los Angeles Chargers now. So think about it. When you move to a different, to a different, um, to a different place, you want a big hire. You want a splash hire, especially becoming the Los Angeles Chargers. You want a hire that people are going to be like, wow. And, you know, I could have very well seen them hire somebody like, not saying that he would ever come out of retirement, John Gruden, or like, uh, you know, even diving into like even college football like Nick Saban, like guys who, who guys, um, guys who, um, guys pretty much who would, uh, you know, create a buzz around the league. But to see them not only hire a not-so-big name, a not-so-proven guy, and at that he's a minority, it's huge. It's huge for the NFL. It's huge for minority coaches moving forward. I think, like, the only Hispanic head coach right now is uh, is, uh, is uh, Ron Rivera. Rivera. You know, so it's, it's very huge moving forward for the NFL, and it shows progress. It really does. I had to just touch on that, guys. And, you know, I really had, like, great respect for – have a, a newfound respect for the Rooney Rule and what it has done, um, you know. So that that that's that. So you know, at this point in the gospel in the show, I have to do a little thing called State of the Cincinnati Bengals because, as you know, I cover the Cincinnati Bengals for blog. I mean, for Back Sports page, and um, pretty much I gave, basically give my input every single show on where we are as an organization and things I think we should do. So I'm going to give my three points, and maybe you guys can touch on it if you want. Um, I think point one with the Bengals need to do, I think they need to cut Adam Jones this season, this offseason. I think that is very, very important um, for the Bengals moving forward. I don't see how a guy at 33 years old can still be getting arrested for spitting on someone, a police officer at that, and in in, in headbutting an officer and still have a job in the NFL. I mean, Adam Jones, we have seen countless, countless uh, punishments handed down from the NFL for him, even him being suspended for a year, which caused him to become a professional wrestler. But that's beside the point. Um, it's just things that I think as a vet in the league and as a captain, how can you expect young rookies to come in and respect him and listen to him if he's still doing things that rookies do when they're rookies? I think that that's one thing the Bengals need to do. I think second what the Bengals need to do is, although Brandon LaFell had a very good season for us where he caught 800-some-odd yards, um, receiving yards, and, uh, you know, about six touchdowns, I think the Bengals need to uh, need to find a younger receiver um, in, in, the, in free agency. I think they need to go with, do something that they have not done, and I think they need to, uh, you know, probably pop, quite possibly go after Alshon Jeffrey in free agency if the Bears aren't able to work on a long-term deal with him, which I'm expecting them not to be able to hash out. Um, I think that's very, very huge. I think Brandon LaFell was was a good one-year Band-Aid, but I think it's time to move on. He's going to be kicked. He's going to be 30 years old by the time next season rolls around. And I'll be honest with you, the Bengals need somebody back there who scares teams, who teams have to respect their speed, who teams have to respect the fact that they can stretch the field. And I think it, it, I think that guy should be Alshon Jackley personally. Um, and I think the last thing, my third point, the Bengals need to do. I would love to see the Cincinnati Bengals draft um, Ruben Foster, linebacker out of Alabama. I would really love to see them do that because putting him with Vontaze Perfect and um, 
getting rid of some of these older guys, you know, on the team, it could really help in the long run. So that's my three-point stance on the state of the franchise for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, it's interesting to see if anything, any of those happen. But uh, if at least one of those happen out of the three that I stated, I think the Bengals would be headed in the right direction. I, I honestly do, uh, do believe that. Um, you guys have any opinions on that? Um, um, you, go off first? you go ahead, buddy. Um, okay. I feel like the Pac Main Jones thing, I, I feel like it kinda is very representative of the lack of discipline on the entire team. And I feel like that has to do with the head coach. Because um, when I think of the Bengals, I I just I see them as a very emotionally undisciplined, like immature kind of football team. And not even mm-hmm. like it, it, and it's like and it's to the point where it's like, all right, where a couple years ago, like, I can understand they were really young. They had gone through a lot in the league. But like you said, this guy's a captain, and this guy remains a captain. And he continues to make these bonehead mistakes off the court that just baffle me, that are coming from an adult and not like a 16-year-old teenager. Like, I don't understand why he's a captain. I mean, I – and, you know, I, I – I don't know why y'all even got Brandon LaFell in the first place. His hands are like bricks. I mean, I, I've seen him. Trust me. He can't catch anything. Like, he almost single-handedly lost, single-handed lost the game last year against the Eagles. But that's, that's – but, of course, everyone would love to have A.J. Green on one side and Alshon Jeffrey on the other side. I mean, imagine how ridiculous that offense would be. But what I think is really important yeah. to the Bengals, I think they should – I think they need to re-sign Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead is really good. Like, I didn't think he'd be this good. He's really good. Like, And he's a free agent this offseason. And I think it would be smart for him, for Cincinnati, to re-sign him with all the injury woes that have been going on in the backfield in Cincinnati. So that's just my take on it. Very insightful. Hey, Austin, let's get your take on it. Uh, well, I mean – I think Pac-Man Jones needs to go. I don't know how he's still in the league. This man's been arrested eight times, and he's only got 15 career interceptions. He averages, like, an arrest. or Every two picks, you're guaranteed to get an arrest out of him. Like, that's that's awful for any sport, for any athlete. That's, that is awful. Uh, I don't think he's that good of a football player. I think he's a very arrogant football player. I think he tries to get into people's heads. Uh and I do think there's a lack of maturity on the Bengals. If you look at Burfstead, too, who was the most – I could be wrong. You're the Bengals fan, so you're gonna have, you might have to correct me on this. Was he not the most penalized player last year in the NFL? Probably. I'm sorry, say that one more time. Vontaze Burfstead, was he not the most penalized player in the NFL last year? I know he had multiple fines and uh, he, personal, he, he, personal uh, foul he, penalties. He was, he was the most penalized player in the NFL last year. Yeah, yeah, and then you, you're throwing in Pac-Man Jones, and you're adding fire to fire. But now, Burfitt, the thing, he's a, here's the he's thing a great player. Here's, here's the thing that gets overlooked with Burfitt. Burfitt is easily a top five linebacker in the NFL. No and doubt. The same the same cannot be said for Pac-Man Jones. So no, with Burfitt, not at all. Had mistakes. I mean, you see Burfitt do this dumb decisions on the field, but off the field, you don't hear a peep That's out right, of him. Yeah. On Burfitt. Right. You don't hear a peep out of him. I told you, I met this guy. You know, he's he's a down-to-earth guy. You don't hear a peep from Vontaze Burfick off the field. And that's the difference between him and Pac-Man. Pac-Man Jones is the opposite. He gets into little penalties sometimes on the field, sometimes. But off the field, he's absolutely 
I mean, the guy shot up a nightclub, and he still has a job in the NFL. I mean, really? Yeah. Really. But, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of talking about Pac-Man Jones. It's very interesting to see what the Bengals are going to do moving forward with him. Um, guys, with that being said, I think this was a very, very successful show back. An extremely successful show. And I think that, you know, we, uh, we touched on some topics that are concerning around the, around the NFL, around MMA. And, you know, we hope to touch on more moving forward. Um, but quick before I go, quick, quick thing before we, 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 uh, we head off the air because we're running out of time here. I want to get you guys' thoughts, quick, quick, just quick points um, on LeBron James. LeBron James made a comment earlier this week. He said he wouldn't, he doesn't, he doesn't think that the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and the Warriors are really a rival. He doesn't really think that they're really uh, a rival. So, do you guys think see that as somewhat disrespectful, or do you think it's the truth? Also, what's your take on that? I mean, I don't under, I, I can understand it. Cleveland and Golden State are pretty much guaranteed to play each other again this year in the finals anyways. Uh, and I'm, I'm a Toronto and an Orlando fan, and I don't see anybody beating either one of those teams come playoff time. I didn't look at the full comments, and I didn't get to read where all he was coming from, but as far as I can tell, I don't really think that it should be insulting the Golden State. I mean, Golden State shouldn't get insulted over it anyways. I mean, they got a super team. Why would you sit here and cry over what LeBron James says? I mean, go drop yeah. 150 points a game and then just – Call it a day. There's no need to sit here and to stew on it. I don't really. I really don't think it's anything. Okay, Brian, what do you think? Um, well, as someone who is like obsessed with basketball and like the only Utah Jazz fan on the Eastern Seaboard, so um, <laughs> I, I think I think he's I think he's just lying. Like, there are huge rivals. He had like cakes at his like at some Halloween party with like the tombstones of. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, like, and the drum thing had like three one lead, like, and they're trolling, trolling the freaking Warriors so hard, it's legit childish. Like, of course it's a big rivalry. This is this is Lakers Celtics in the eighties. This is this is like the league right now. This is the entire league is built up, and this these two yeah. super teams that are gonna just face off in the finals. This is the whole league. So of course it's a huge rivalry. Not only is disrespect to the Warriors. They've already done enough disrespect to the Warriors. I think he's just under downplaying it. I, I just think he's kind of tired of talking about it, honestly. But yeah, yeah, I I, I don't see anything like malicious. But I, I don't care. If I didn't. I, I don't. I've heard enough about LeBron James. I've heard enough about the Warriors. Nobody talks about my team. Don't even get me started on that. So yeah, that's <laughs> just my take on this. Hey, people need to wake up. The Jazz are good. I'm telling you, Gordon Hayward's the truth. I thank you, bro. Don't even get me started on the Jazz. <laughs> they were straight. They were straight last year too. I remember in Kobe's last game, the Jazz almost beat them. They should have beat them, but uh, yeah, still, I did. They they got something coming. They're going to be a force in the playoffs. I'm telling you. I know. I'm I'm super well, excited about it too. With that being said, just small things talked about. BJ Penn. There's really not really much to mention on. It's a tough loss for BJ Penn last night. I feel I feel where you're coming from, the prodigy man. You know, you, you fought so hard to get back to. <laughs> The UFC and hey, listen, it's a young man's game. That's all I got to say about that. But that was just like little things I want to touch on. Um, pretty much, guys, you know, you guys pretty much know the drill. Next Monday, live 8 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio, we will be back on your airwaves talking all things NFL, State of the Bengals, 
and we'll be talking all things sports pretty much. So you once again, you can follow us on Twitter at the Right Way BSP, on Facebook the Right Way with Malik Wright, Instagram the Right Way BSP, and you can email me at the Real Malik Wright at gmail.com. And like I said, we will always be answering all your questions NFL related and any other sports questions you guys may have for us. Brian Austin, Alex had to jump off. Alex, and also all our callers, it was an excellent show. And uh, any last comments, guys? Uh, no, I'm just I'm, I'm gonna sleep good tonight, knowing that uh, the national championships back in uh, Clemson, South Carolina, where it belongs. That's my last thing I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, all right, respect, um, respect. I guess the season officially starts for the Patriots now. So I'm pretty nervous. Other than that. <laughs> <laughs> Very cocky statement, but uh, we we look. We I want to definitely wish the Patriots the best. I hope a very successful game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I'm expecting you guys to win. And guys, okay. you know we didn't touch on this at all the entire show, but you know what the best part of this week was for me? What's that? You guys want to know what the best part of the week was for me? What? I don't have to hear what? any more Dallas Cowboys. Fans, football fans, talking about they're winning the Super Bowl this year, and Dak Prescott yeah, you do. and Ezekiel yeah. Elliott. We're I don't got to hear yeah. any of that because and even better than Texans. Listen, listen, and I'm gonna leave you guys with this note: <laughs> the Cowboys season <laughs> may not be going on anymore, but as far as the right way. The show will always go on. Have a good night, everybody. Lay. The. Yeah. Yeah. in the building. Yeah. All right. Already the show goes on, all night. Every morning we dream so long. Anybody ever wonder when they would see the thunder?
and I'm holding back. Five in the air for the teacher, not scared to tell those kids that's living in the ghetto that's coming back that the world is theirs. Yeah, yeah, the world is yours. I was once that little boy, terrified of the world. Now I'm on a world tour. I will give up everything, even start a world war for these ghetto girls and boys. I'm rapping around the world for Africa to New York, Haiti then I detour. Oakland out to Oakland, got the strip to Detroit. They hip hop only destroy. Tell them look at me, boy. I hope your son don't have a gun and never be a D boy. What you into, no matter what you see, when you look outside your window, brown grass or green grass, pick your fence of barbed wire, never ever put them down, you just lift your arms higher, raise them to your arms higher, let them know you there, that you struggling, surviving, that you gon' persevere, yeah, ain't nobody leaving, nobody going home, even if they turn the lights out, the show is going on, Come on, let's go.